Welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm Nisha, joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn, who apparently can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's been a minute. We took a little one-month break. <laughs> but yeah, thanks y'all for tuning in for another episode where me and Carolyn talk about all the things we watch. Well, not all the things because we'd be here for too long and y'all would not listen to it. Or maybe I would. But we talk about some of the top things that we watched and read. So... To kick things off, let's dive into the book corner. Yes, and my book for the month of April slash May, going into June, <laughs> this is kind of had an unofficial hiatus, you know, due to health issues, which I'll get back I'll get into a little bit later. Um, but my book recommendation is The Evening Hero by Marie Myung Lee, or Lee, if you if you want to pronounce it the Americanized way. Um, it's a family drama with a bit of sci-fi which I wasn't expecting because it's um it's not the, the timeline that the book is set isn't clearly defined which is interesting so the book is was published in May but if you read the book like you're not sure exactly what year the present is set in because the book takes place um in the past in 19 late 1940s early 1950s South Korea and mm-hmm. present day quote-unquote um north america more um more to be more exact pennsylvania because uh this book i think is is to me this is one of the most fascinating reads that i've read in a while and for being that i could read but this book if i think is it's not an it's not an educational tool but i think it's a good introduction for a lot of people who are not familiar with south korean history one mm-hmm. especially the history of south korea just before World War and the beginning of what is now known as the Korean War. And that took place legit right after the Second World War. And it is still not officially over because they never had an official resolution to the to the war. It mm-hmm. is actually till now in 2022 in armistice, which is which means is that the governments of South Korea and other governments signed an armistice mm-hmm. where they just said we're gonna end war. It's a ceasefire. It's not that the war has been declared over. There has there is no winner or no loser. It's just a ceasefire. And that is, as you know, South Korea, as it is known now, is actually part of a larger peninsula known as Korea. And it became known as South Korea because of the American involvement in the Second World War. Because after the Second World War, there was an there were it's not it's, I'm not going to the whole thing, but like the book kind of like gives an insight into the Korean perspective of what it was like to be in a country where you are just known as Korea. Your country is just your country. And then one day, because two American men decided they're gonna stand on a piece of a rock and say, where are we gonna split this country in half? Randomly on the longer 30th parallel became known as North and South. And what a lot of, I think a lot of people who are not familiar with Korean history to understand is literally that all happened in one day. So people were literally separated from their families in the space of minutes mm-hmm. forever. So if you, if, for instance, if your dad was going, if I live, in, I live in Scarborough, and if my dad or my sister was going to work in downtown Toronto, at the moment they drew the line that separates the greater GTA mm-hmm. and Toronto, a subway lane, and they said, well, you're, you're, you can't pass this boundary. 
I can't go. I can't go to my family in downtown Toronto. I can't hop on the bus. I can't go get the train. I can't walk across to go to my family. They were forever separated, and that's what this book really goes into. And then it talks a, a lot about generational trauma and how, but in a very smart way because it talks about a lot about how people when you immigrate to different countries, especially during um, war and because of war, how you lose so much of yourself and your culture and your identity when you move to a country like North America. Especially mm-hmm. move to a country like America, where you have to de- decide between assimilation and integration, and how sometimes assimilation is it just happens that you don't make the choice to assimilate; you just do it because it's a matter of survival. And then it mm-hmm. talks about how that how that a lot, especially for a lot of first gen children, because anyone who would have moved then and moved now, like their children are first gen, you know. Right. And it talks a little, it talks about about how there's a, a cultural disconnect between parents and their first generation born and North American children. And it gives a perspective of the children and the adults, mm-hmm. which I think is so interesting. And it's so well done. And it's about this doctor, um, Dr. Youngman Kwok, and who is a gynecologist. So that's also interesting to have a male, a male protagonist who's a doctor, but he's also a gynecologist and he is a OBGYN to be more precise. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really good. Um, she, 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 this is the first book I read by Marie. I have another book called Finding Yourself that I'm going to read because I'm going to be interviewing her. But she's this book is so fascinating. And it's like the way she writes is it just feels like a really good conversation with someone. And I and I, and I just really love that. And the, even the, the, the front of the book, <laughs> the front of the book, the design is a ginseng root. <laughs> and there's a story involving a ginseng root in, his, in this book that literally made me bust out laughing. I was like, <laughs> just thinking about this story now, um, makes me laugh. And if you don't know a ginseng root in the Caribbean, and it's and in Asia, it's particular, ginseng is known as, not an aphrodisiac, but it is known as a hormonal stimulant where people take it if you want to increase your hormone levels and you want to be, um, you know, like, it kind of helps with your, um, your libido and that kind of stuff. So there's a story about that in this book that actually made me laugh so much. And I just think, I know that I know this, what the ginseng root means in the book. Also, ginseng root in South Korean history because ginseng is actually very um, super expensive in South Korea now. Before it was, but now you can. I love the has to get with American imperialism and then also with the war effect in South Korea. So, just that story alone. Um, <laughs> I gotta laugh. That ginseng root was freaking hilarious. But it's like really, it's really interesting, but and I can't wait. I, I just realized I had a whole bunch of tags in this book and other one. No, um, see, so I have like tags. I have like a whole bunch of tags. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really good, and I, I would recommend it for anyone to read. It's it's also a pretty big read too. It has how many pages? The total amount of pages is four hundred twenty-seven. Jesus. So, yeah, that's a big read. It's a big read. Yeah. Um, I started reading this on my vacation in Barbados in April, and I did not. I could. I normally I would have been able to finish this book in like less than a week, no joke. But I've been having problems with my cognition, so and reading has been very difficult for me. So I read. It's been kind of slowing. So I read it when I am on my good days. On the days when my cognition is um, good and I'm able to like actual physically read and understand stuff, that's when I read. It. So it's been a bit slowing for me. But I would recommend it to anyone. So that is the Evening Hero. By, by Marie Myung Oki. Nice. And what is your you um what are you reading? Nisha, do you have anything to recommend? Manga? Okay. Um 
manga wise nothing new because i'm just taking a break and just like reading leisurely <laughs> i've been catching up on a lot of manga that i had to put on hold because of school um but i will have some new stuff next month but i have been reading a lot of webtoons one that i've been consistently reading that i'm really excited to tell you all about is morgana and oz so what happens when a struggling witch meets an angsty vampire either love or war morgana belongs to a long line of witches and oz to a rival vampire clan after a chance encounter and maybe a few stray spells these two need to find a way to work together or risk all-out war between coven and clan so it's a web it's on webtoon highly recommended i think the art is very cute if you have if someone has seen kiki's delivery service i think you will immediately be drawn to the art and the aesthetic because the witches aren't all black but like morgana's dress is like kind of frilly like you can tell that like the while the witches the coven's uniform and like when they say coven it's not like just a random gathering of witches it's like no it's like a big extended family of the witches so people marry in people are um, adopted into the family so like that's the coven whereas like the vampire clan that's more of a found family structure where it's like that is a clan of people coming together um who have either and the mystery is like right now and this isn't a spoiler or anything you vampires can either be turned and in the rare occasion they can be born a vampire um that is one of the characters mysteries there's like oh there's like there's between them there's like as it mentioned there's a rivalry going on all of this comes to a head pretty quickly in like the first 10 chapters because what happens is the two groups are coming to a meeting to discuss peace and treaty because the townspeople, regular folk who aren't vampires or witches or any mag- uh, any magical beings, they look at the witches and they think that you're causing black magic or like you're doing like you you're doing evil things. Yeah. And like as far as Morgana, the protagonist, as far as she knows, like her family isn't involved in any of that. And then on the other side, the vampires are also blaming the witches because like we've noticed some of our people missing. And the witches like, well, we've noticed some of our people missing. And it's just as far as they know, like from what we've known for both sides, what they're saying is the truth so far. Um, but the coven head's father, so the grandfather, the, the grandfather of the coven, he goes missing. He's the one who seems really belligerent about, towards the vampires with the other witches are really just trying to make peace and then turns out the vampires get poisoned by some of the blood that is served to them so it's really it could it's to me it seems like there could be a third party at like at hand or it could be somebody on the inside causing trouble we don't know who but that's yet to be seen so it's interesting but where things get involved with morgana and oz is morgana is a struggling witch who has great power but struggles controlling it she actually she accidentally turns this vampire into a cat and shenanigans ensue the lead male character into a cat that's how yes that's how they meet because she's talking and then she gets frightened because on the night that they're meeting for a treaty um they hear a big boom and she gets scared and she thinks like, and then one of the vampires come out yelling, oh, it's an ambush. That she, she hears ambush and she gets scared and she doesn't mean to cast a spell, but she casts a spell on accident that turns him into a cat and he oh, cannot yeah, so turn back. Him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, shenanigans ensue. They try to work together to one, cure him of the spell, but also figure out who is actually behind pushing these two groups to war because it's clear from both of their positions neither of them neither of the groups want war 
They actually, they genuinely want peace. So we'll see. Things are going forward. Some romantic things are starting to boil to the top um, between the two characters. I like it because, um, of course, y'all know I like a, a small and a tall um, ship when it comes to the characters. And this time we get a tall girl with a slightly shorter boy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, I think they're adorable together because um, she's as tall as she is. She's just like this. She's like, she's like a flower. And mm-hmm. then for him, he's just like buff and like short and looking up at her and just oh. like, but it's like the way in like in the pro, what made me read this is like in the promo, he's like, I love a man with confidence who can like literally, he's looking up and holding her by the chin and she's just like blushing. And I'm like, you got me. You got me. I so looking for that right now on the Mango Go app. Let me check. Yeah, it would actually be on Webtoon unless like they also have it licensed on Mango Go. But okay, the vampire has white hair and a biker's jacket, so that it's, it's to you. If you see that, then yes, no, that's not it. But I will be looking up because, like, honestly, when it comes to the um, webtoons and the manga, mm-hmm. like, there is the whole trope, like, you talk about the small and tall, but the whole thing is like, usually it's the girl, mm-hmm. the female character who's smaller. Yeah, now, the male character, even if, you read, like, the, or even if you read like the Yaoi or you know the Jose comics and those um uh, manga, those ones were um even if it's just two male uh, leads, if they're in a romantic, even if they're in a romantic relationship, the submissive, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the submissive or the more emotionally mm-hmm. immature one is always smaller than the dominant and emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. Male character, which I just, I'm just like, come on, it's like two male characters. Like, why are you people even still having gender like norms applied to you know? Like, you're supposed to be breaking your side, but you're not conforming to gender norms. I'm like, but you kind of are. It's just, it's nice to see that like masculinity can be conveyed in different body types. Like, I, I for one, like, I joke all the time about like, yeah, I want a big, tall, broad man, but like, I'm five four. Um, it's more so about the confidence in the characters mm-hmm. and in the person. And I like the, I like that this character gives off that confidence. Like he's just like looking at her so starry eyed up and like holding her chin. And like on the artist's Instagram when they posted the promo of it i'm like i'm sold i don't even know what this is about but i'm sold and it's just like she's a tall girl who like could come off as intimidating and like she looks strong and everything but it's nice to see her be able to like exude softness which is like i think that's something i'm interested to see explored more with characters and like dynamics Uh uh-huh that's the one carolyn found it y'all um i like I like exploring that more where we see like, you know, masculinity and femininity can be shown in different character types and different body types. So yeah, um, the dominating, let's just say the dom doesn't have to necessarily be this six foot eight tall person. A dom could actually be someone who is, you know, my I don't know if they got the confidence and the energy behind it they can make it happen but it's just like in their case I I like that it's kind of switched like the their physicalities like he's not the tall domineering one whereas like she's tall but she's soft and he's a little shorter than her but he's tough it's just nice to see the range of feminine and masculinity against different characters and it doesn't seem so archaic 
Oh no, it's different. I found it on the webtoon. I mean, I legit. I was looking at manga before. Then I was like, wait, I have the webtoon app on my phone. Right. And it's ongoing because it's up to episode twenty-eight. Yeah, so, I unfortunately got hooked with the fast pass, and I gotta, I gotta wean myself off of those. But it's <laughs> worth it. That's the thing with me because sometimes I, because I start, I, I, I unintentionally took a break from reading like online manga, my manga mm-hmm. and webtoons, and the thing was like. I always, I don't, and I need to start doing this more, is I don't check to see if they're ongoing or if they're completed. And then when you get to end and it's ongoing, you're like, oh, no. And then it, they're like, oh, this is the end of season one. And you don't know when season two, <laughs> when season two is going to be uploaded. And it's Listen, like, I, maybe next next time, next episode, I'll talk about that with one of my favorites. Um, I think it's Brimstone and Roses. Man, it's good, but I swear to hiatuses, I just like webtoon, whatever y'all did to these artists, whatever, like, because I will, this is something important for people to know, um, webtoon creators, artists, writers, like, there is a lot of work, just like there's a lot of work that goes into manga, there's a lot of work that goes into webtoon creators, and I don't think people always understand how much of a turnaround time crunch these creators are on so i totally understand what they have to take a hiatus because when you are not only just putting out weekly um chapters they also are putting out probably four weeks in advance because they have their advance their fast pass so you got people who are trying to do this turnaround and like it's not like you have creators on webtoon who put things out at their own leisure and they update here and there but for the people who are actually like doing this for a living or like as one of their main sources of income, they are working tirelessly. They have a staff behind them. And if they don't have a staff, then it's just a two man team usually. And it's like it's a lot of work that goes into it. So like as much as I just be like, oh, great. Another hiatus. I just be like, I get it. Y'all ain't have a break. Like Brim Ro- Brimstone and Roses is one of my favorite ones. And they've probably been on hiatus for over a year now. And like mm-hmm. there's, and then I'm not saying this is a situation with them. There's also the issue of like, there's some like contract issues. There's been contract issues with some titles on Webtoon where like creators are not like, I don't know what the, all the details are, but like basically the creators can't say much, but they're basically like, well, I got to figure things out. That's why I'm not writing any more chapters. So it's just like, yeah, it's worth the wait. It's sometimes they're worth the wait. They're worth getting invested into, but the, the hiatus, man, that it, it hurts. It's just, it's just that when you reach the end, and you're just like, wait, oh, it hurts so bad. But I mean, completed. and right. sometimes you don't even realize that it's not completed. Like, for instance, there's one of his reading called Their Door. That one is another. Um, is I don't know if it's a, yeah, is Their Door considered Yaoi. I think it's Yaoi. But I read like the first, the whole of the first chapter. In like a couple nights, because I usually read them at night before I go to sleep. And then I was like, oh, and then I took like a long break. I was like, okay, let me, I'll come back to this like legit like three, four months later. And then they uploaded the whole second chapter. I was like, oh, wait, we're going to be finished. I'm like, wait, no, it's not done. Mm-hmm. And it's like a hundred and something chapters wow. so far. And that's a lot. And like, yeah. I, like, and there's like, there's another one I started called Shetland. I need to stop doing this to myself. Mm-hmm. I need to just go and read the completed ones because I'm just like, oh, I have. And I, I have mean, to even the forget com- it. <laughs> I need. To, I should write a list, and then, but I might even forget that I even have a list of the ones that yeah. are completed anyway. Even the cre- completed ones. I mean, there's. Some, I can give you some recommended some recommendations for some cl- com- uh, completed ones that I've read. Like mm-hmm. Gourmet Hound is a great one, and it's lengthy. So, like, it would probably take you like if you read it nonstop, it would take you a good 
two weeks, three weeks, depending on how frequently you read it. I got some completed ones I can recommend. Maybe that's what I'll do next time. I'll come on here with some suggestions if y'all want some completed webtoons that I do highly recommend. And you won't be frustrated because there are no hiatuses anymore. Like, oh, like, oh, and but then something will be surprising and you'll go back and you'll be like, wait, let me just randomly check and be like, a new chapter mm-hmm. has been added. And then so that's why I, what I find they do for a lot of, for, for a lot of the web, the ones that read, is that the writers will actually create like side stories. Mm-hmm. So they have a side story in the in the main, um, in the main plot. And then when they're completed with the main story, oh, let me just go and extend the side characters and give them their own little resolution. Yeah. yeah I was appreciate which I think is kind of cool. And there's spinoffs like that too. Yep. Yeah. So there's plenty on Webtoon. Like, I highly recommend if people, listeners, if y'all ain't checked out Webtoon yet, <laughs> go. There's plenty, and there's plenty of other platforms, but like Webtoon yeah. is probably my favorite one. Yeah, it was, I, re, I used Webtoon, Mangogo, and there was another one, Manta. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was another one that I had, I deleted that off my phone. There's Pocket Comics. There's a lot. So yeah. y'all check them all out. Um, I guess with that, then we're ready to move on to the TV corner. Yes. So for TV corner, what I will be talking about today, what I'm bring up, make sure I bring up the, um, the show info is the last days of Ptolemy Gray. That is an Apple TV show starring and also executive produced by um, Samuel L. Jackson. It stars Dominique Fishback, Cynthia Kim McWilliams, Damon Gupton, Marsha Stephanie Blake, and Walter Goggins. And he's so good. Walter Goggins is so good. And the show is created, um, written by, and based on a series of books, based on a book by Walter Mosley. And this show made me cry. It's Mm -hmm. like... It made me cry. And because it's about this man, Tom Legree, who is mm-hmm. 91 and is on the brink of sinking into dementia, but he experiences a seismic shift when given the opportunity to briefly regain his memories. And he uses the fleeting lucidity to solve his nephew's death and the coming to his past. So this show, I wasn't, I knew what it was about, but I did not know what it was about. I, I never read the book before. But I knew mm-hmm. what it was about because I, you know, I received like, a press release from um, Apple TV about it before its release, and I there was a couple of interviews about it, and I, and I wasn't, I didn't read some interview the interviews because, um, as we, I've mentioned on the show before, and for those of you who this is your first time listening to um, search that happened and at the beginning of the show, when it was during my book review, I mentioned cognitive impairment, so like I have multiple sources, and part of that is I have mild cognitive um, impairment, MCI or RCI. And one of the effects of that is is that it's causing memory loss. So I have short-term memory loss and I have long-term memory loss. So the long-term, how long-term memory loss functions is there's days, legit, there are days and weeks maybe and like things that I don't remember. And the, mm-hmm. and the way how mem- and the way how memory loss works and how TV, film, fiction very rarely gets gets right about memory loss is that you are not aware that you're lose that you've lost the memory that you are you are not aware of a memory that is no longer there, mm-hmm. and and this and this show Tom Gray actually gets that and and while the show is about a man with dementia possibly Alzheimer's it's not clearly defined in the show which I think is important because it can like, there's 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 many conditions that causes dementia 
and causes long-term memory loss, especially as you get older, like MS. And then of course there's like Alzheimer's, there's like Parkinson's, there's a whole host of um, neurological conditions. But what the show does get right about memory loss is how, when you realize that you're missing a memory, how heartbreaking that is and how traumatic it is mm-hmm. and how stressful it is. And then even as you're aware of losing the memories, of losing memories and losing time, it, that it shows you like how also that again is heartbreaking and frustrating and how as the person suffering with this, how you feel bad towards the people that have to act you. Like I'm nowhere near that. I'm like nowhere near anywhere as bad as Tom Lear as anyone with like severe dementia, especially as they get older. But like just for me, just the the idea, just like just be able to comprehend what the show is about. I just like really appreciated the respect they play to it and like how they showed is it's not only about the mystery of like solving the death of his nephew, but it's also the mystery of retaining your um memories. So like mm-hmm. an example of like short-term memory is like my dog had this little blue ball with like spikes, mm-hmm. right? And she loved this ball and she played this ball. And Bonnie lost the ball on the field. Right. And I remember this ball for like maybe like a week after. And then I did I wasn't even aware that I had forgotten about the ball until I went into the dollar store the other day and I saw like the story, like that's that's where I bought the, the, the first part. So I was like, oh wait, these are balls. I was like, wait, Yoko had this ball. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had this ball for like three, four months. And I, I, I forgot that she even had the ball and I won't even remember that she had it when I saw another one. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is, it, it's a, but I'm, I can't remember the exact term, but there's a thing called object permanence. And a lot of people with like ADHD and dyslexia, which I also have a thing. Like if you don't see something and if you don't see it regularly, you don't remember that you don't remember that it exists. Mm. Right? Gotcha. So if, if, if you don't see it, you're not aware that it's there. So like that's how it is. So like that's how short that's how short term and long term memory loss can can operate. And so like for Tom Lee, he has the same thing where he isn't is not is like his brain like if you're not, your brain isn't seeing it, your brain doesn't store the information permanently. Or it does, but it's like deep in the recesses of your mind. And you can't recall the memory because you're not aware of the memory that you have to recall in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's so that's so like even just the show again and those kind of things, right? Where it just like so happy and it cried. And it's just like, oh, it was like it was a lot for me to watch, especially the time that I watched it. <laughs> I was going through um a severe case of like cognitive impairment, like I had vertigo. I was having problems speaking. I was having problems recalling memory, uh, recalling memories. Just even like reading was difficult for me. So like the show was, but I probably, well, I watched it at a very emotionally vulnerable time, but I would recommend anyone to watch it, not only to gain, I think, an insight into how it is for people with like cognitive um, disabilities, but also for people who have to look after them. So like for mm-hmm. Dominique, her character, Robin, she is um she's young so she's about 17 years old and she meets Tommy almost purely by half a chance but it's like destiny because she ends up they end up being falling in love but it's a love where it's like you just love this person for who they are it's not romantic but it's just like you know it's like um filial love you know like a true thing where she's like she's like I, I love you for who you are and I understand you and like he, and then it's like he, he's like, I love you because you know who I am and you accept me for all of my limitations. And you, and especially for somebody with disability, that means so much for you. You have somebody who accepts you for everything you are. And like when he has this opportunity to take this drug that could help him re- regain all of his memory, 
um, he 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 wants to do it because he's like I need to have my full control of my faculties in order to not only to she was thinking it was to find just to be able to find his nephew's killer, but it's, it was more than that. It was just to be able to find parts of himself that he had forgotten existed. And just like, I don't think people who don't have cognitive command to have those kind of conditions understand how hard it is to like, just be worried about what it is you're missing and what it is you've lost and what it is you can't remember. Like mm-hmm. even things like just being able to like find keys, it may seem like a trivial thing, but just like not being able to find keys it makes you wonder, like, does this mean that my condition is getting worse? And it could be. Right. It could be that you're just being forgetful, but you don't know. And that's one thing the show touches on. But it also shows, like, how from her perspective as caretaker, how much stress that puts on caretakers, especially mm-hmm. as they're young. I just think the show did a fantastic job as Samuel L. Jackson. If you don't get end up getting independent nominations for his performance in the show, things ain't right. Things ain't fair. It ain't fair. I mean, they still didn't show him accepting his Oscar. Girl. His honorary Oscar, which I'm like, y'all know y'all should have, he should have been had an Oscar, but we're not going to get into that today. Crackling. Crackling. But, <laughs> but it's so, it's really good. It made me cry. But the, on also the mystery aspect of it, just like the the mystery of like, who is the killer? Who killed his nephew? They, even when that's revealed, you realize there is like so much context to this because it talks a lot about how about um, violence and domestic violence in um, not only American culture, but in um, the, the black, black community and how women end up being caught in situations that they don't want to. And like, you wonder, like, do you blame her for putting mm-hmm. herself and her kids in this body? Realize she can't, but like, it's an abusive situation. So like, the, just the whole, like, the show like touches on a lot of societal um, topics and like very, um, I think very well done. And Dominic Fishback, like she's, she's such a good actress. Like she's so, so good. Um, like we've started seeing her power on Netflix, the film with Jamie Foxx, but then also her performance in um, Judas and the Black Messiah opposite Daniel Kaluuya. Like she's mm-hmm. like, she's phenomenal. She's like she has such a great future. Ahead she's amazing. Yes, I but I just want everything for her as she yeah, goes she, on. She's so she's so good. And like for we know who Samuel L. Jackson is as a performer. We know his like his filmography is extensive. He is the most one of the most if not the most prolific actor in Hollywood and he is also the highest grossing actor in like history because like you know his films all of his films like the amount of money his films have amassed but like just that she's able to hold she's able to like go toe to with him in scenes like mm-hmm. there's scenes together like there's scenes where they're like just being soft and like comforting to each other and then they like, also where they're just angry and like they move their soul like she she was like phenomenal casting she I can't wait to see what she does in her future and um but the, that's the last days of Ptolemy gray and i think everyone that did a fantastic job like each each episode was directed by a different director so it's about uh, six let me look at, i want to be sure mm-hmm. i look forward to watching it now though because i was going back and forth because um anything that has to do with i, I am sensitive about it because i'm still pro and it's it's weird to say i'm still processing it but like watching my my grandfather go through alzheimer's with his battle with that and dementia was probably one of the most hardest things i watched as a child and i was like our family like obviously i wanted to be around him so like even when he couldn't remember me but it's one of those things like so anytime that there's a character like that in a show i just be like oh, i'm gonna pace myself because I'm go- somebody's gonna find me in a puddle somewhere in my yeah. own tears. This is, this is not a show uh, I've been watching. It's six I'll take it. Things. I'll take it easy. I, I watched it over the course of I believe two and a half, three days. Okay. Listen, it was it was it, I watched it when I was going through a lot. I'm still going through a lot because I, I this la this um 
MS flare up. Like, I'm trying to even remember the word. It has been ongoing since January. It's like it's eased up a bit. Like my cognition is a bit up. But I can actually, for the last few days, I've been feeling, been feeling it starting to go down. And the film, ex, the show, sorry, ex, explores that, like how there's ups and downs. And even yeah. as a trick, it's such a small thing, but it's something that I think was like really important. Um, so like there's a trick a lot of people who have memory issues do, and this like they associate names or things with other things. Mm-hmm. So like for me, when I, I sometimes I don't remember the name of a film or an actor, but I I would I would do I do word association. So I like, I might not remember the name of a film, but I remember a scene from the film, and I'd be like, oh wait, I remember this scene from this film, and I remember it because it was very this specific thing or whatever. And like what he does in the sh- um, show, what Tom Lee does is Robin, like he doesn't remember her name. Mm-hmm. He he remembers he associates her with the bird Robin. Right? Uh, got so it. So he will call her. Oh, he'll be like he calls her bird. Because in mm-hmm. his mind, he knows that a bird, that she's her, he associates bird with who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, first bird of spring, right? So he, that's what he, calls, he, so he calls her bird. And people, there's people that don't understand it, but she understood immediately what he was doing because she was like, okay, he doesn't, he's not going to remember my name, but he remembers that I'm bird. I'm bird to him because he associates, he knows my name is associated with a bird, the first bird of spring, but he doesn't remember the name of the bird. Right, so I just so it's just just those little things that that's something I I myself do. I do word association to remember mm-hmm. things, and and like just those small little details and like the the show really explores that. So that's my recommendation. My show recommendation. Nice. The last is Autonomy Great on Apple TV Plus. Uh, yeah, it's not available anywhere else because Apple TV is like Disney Plus where they got their shit locked down. Yes, that <laughs> shit is locked down. You probably it's I don't know VPNs, but I still don't even know how VPNs work. But yeah. I'm not that I'm not techy enough to explain that. So y'all go to your Googles. Um, but or you know, give the money because you know Samuel Jackson and Danielle for sure getting a little bit of that. Yeah, that no, should make you feel work. good. And then support and then cut the trial. <laughs> um, trial, yeah, do the, the do the, the trial. Watch all the black shows and then get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so then for me, I actually have two, but I'm going to keep it really short for them both. So first, Love, Death, and Robots came back, and I'm specifically going to talk about the last episode, Jabaro, because my God, is that the one with the pretty animation everyone is showing? Yes, I, with the I siren and the dancing. Yeah, it's the one she's dripping in gold. The animation for that is—I haven't seen it, but I've seen the clips that everyone. It just on and it's stunning. <sighs> It's it's stunning on so many levels. The animation is just like I don't know how else to describe it. Like you think it like it's a step above a high quality video game, but it's like so fluid, so beautiful. So like every detail is amazing. But they really they really push the limits with this animation style and like real people movements i don't know how else to say that like just uh, like the water looks like our water it's not like i'm just watching and like and i forget like i forgot both of these characters are animated when i'm watching it some of the shots just like they really do a great job of blending realism with animate with the with the like fantasy in the animation and it's just like it's so crisp and it's so clean but just a quick synopsis of it um, a siren song fails to work on a deaf night, Jabaro, and the golden woman becomes fascinated by him. And as y'all know, Love, Death, and Robots, they're known for the shorts, and they usually involve one of the three themes, Love, Death, and Robots. In this case, it's Love and Death. Um, no robots. But 
I, I always love Love, Death, and the Robots because you're bound to find at least one or two that can really speak to you or that like maybe will like pop out and grab your attention. But this one is just very fascinating on a lot of different levels because like I've seen a lot of people talk about this episode and just like examine it from different ways because and like I'm not going to give too much away but like I want to just like dissect some of it with y'all like as it says Jabaro is a deaf knight the, the knights are going on a conquest they come across the river where the siren is they don't say her name because no one talks in this entire thing they mm-hmm. make sounds but you don't hear anyone say any words because um, a lot of it is heard from Jabaro's um, point of view he since he's deaf you see how he like cups his ear and i think that's his way of feeling for vibrations Mm -hmm. or it's like or he'll touch the ground or there's things like that so anyways when all the other knights in the crusade are taken down by the sirens dancing and and singing into the river and they're drowned there um jabaro it doesn't work on him exactly he's just like staring at her and she's staring back at him so there's this equal fascination now the part that gets interesting is like he has the opportunity to flee and run mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people immediately at first like given what you know i'm like oh here's this knight who was able to survive um who's like, and that's great. But then it's like, he makes the conscious choice to go back in order to like, at first you think it's attraction and then it turns into assault and theft because his goal was ultimately to steal the gold from her because he's part of a crusade, which as we know how most of the crusades went, that's there. So it's really this question of like, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's just like, it's fascinating to look from both perspectives perspectives of the characters because you don't know much of them because these shorts aren't giving you motivation or anything the siren murders all these men and drowns them without like none of them did anything to her or threatened her but like she's a siren so hey the siren does doing what a siren's call you get killed you get killed exactly but then it's like he makes the conscious decision to go back and at first what you think is affection and maybe romance because she's fascinated by him and maybe it's because this is the first man who does not fall under her spell and can get close to her and there's a little romance but then she bites him and she's about to devour him so it's just like oh neither of you are right in this sense but at the same time i picked the side of the siren because she a baddie and i love her design it's it's just like it's an interesting conversation point for me because it's just like at the end of the day greed got to the got to the best of them greed more so for jabaro but i think it's like greed and curiosity um where the siren is like "Mm, i don't want this one to get away tries to lure him back and he steals all the glittering jewels from her body and, and kills and disposes of her. And I don't want to tell you more because I think y'all should see how it ends. I'm here looking up the, because I, I have not seen it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I haven't seen it is because Netflix does a shit job of promoting their content. Unless it's content by rich white people starring rich white people, they barely mm-hmm. do any promotion. So like, this is the third season of Love, Death, and Robots. Yes, they this did is the not third. promote the second season at all to the point that really third, yeah to the point that the third season came out and people were like wait the I second see, season happened 
And I wonder if they're just doing this new thing because I saw a lot of promotion for it, but like I didn't. It's not like I was it official Netflix promotion or was it just a lot of people talking about it on social media? It was a, it was it was Netflix promotion for me, but I think it's also a thing about like I don't know if it's just a situation of the algorithms at this point. We're like. It's because Netflix doesn't promote things like this. I don't think they're going to promote a show like Love, Death and Robots on TV, but they will do it on social media. But like for me, I saw a lot of it on Instagram. Now, I can't speak for anything else because I don't think I saw until you see people like unless they talked about like, oh, it comes out next week. I saw probably promotion mainly the week before. And then leading up. Actually, no, I saw it a little bit before that because I thought it was um, coming out the week before so it's like i think it's i think it's interesting because netflix is one of those where it's like well y'all don't y'all don't advertise on outside of social media and unless it's like a big film or a big name attached to it so it's interesting where it's like yeah when it comes to like a show like like you i'm sure everybody has seen a stranger things commercial they're all over which is my other show that i'll be talking about um but anyways, oh, no, I found the article that I think best describes Jabaro. Um, it's basically a look at a toxic relationship between two pedo- predators, Yep. which is fascinating to yeah. me when you think about it. Like you have a toxic relationship with two predators. Watch what unfolds. So I'm looking at the names. The writer and one of the directors is uh, Berto Miego. He's won Oscars. He won an Oscar for Best Animated Short Film in 2022 and also in 2021. And he also worked, I believe, on, and looking at his uh, film, he worked on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. He's worked on Tron Uprising. So he is worked with Ubisoft. His mind, because when you think of that, you're talking about like even just the clips that I've seen. Unless you know that this is a clip from an animated project, you would not know that it's from an animated project. It you would not. So it looks like photography. It looks like they. It, just, it looks like photography. And it's not Very until you actually take a look at their faces and like really look at them, and you're like, okay, from a distance or like when it's being animated, you think it's like actual people. Yeah, like and the one when like, she's in water and you see her eye just. That's those. That's yes. the one. That's the shot. Though. That is the shot. The that shot really establishes the whole how beautiful it's, it, it looks like a photograph it looks like a real person and mm-hmm. static photograph but it's not it's like pure animation and the cast the for the voice and the i'm guessing and they do the motion capture too is like mm-hmm. the lead yeah is, um jervan i want to make sure you get his phone and he's a stuntman too he's been in like dune ray player one swan so he's an actor stuntman and his name is Jervan um, Bramble, and mm-hmm. he plays Jabaro. And then there's Sarah Silkin, who is the dancer. So she's the one who plays the siren. Right. And- oh, because an interesting thing about the siren is that, like, because this is from the perspective of Jabaro, there's no words. You do hear the siren scream, but the way that she actually lures the men into, like, there does, is, yeah, through dancing. Yeah. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in mythology, because sirens are from Greek mythology, I believe. Um, they they lure men, because Ceres from Greek mythology, there's, they're usually um, mermaids. Mm-hmm. There's so different, yeah, there's like different mermaids, ones. But she's in, but she's around water, right? So like mermaids mm-hmm. in, like, oh, in mythology, is like they lure men, pirates, sailors, mm-hmm. to, the, to the rocks, to crash into the rocks, so they can steal their treasure. And they lure them by using their voices, right. and their bodies. Right, and they they, they lured him by using their body. So like, so it's interesting that they did for this one. They they, um, I think for 
Alberto and his co-writer, where they decided that we're going to make the male, the protagonist, the other predator, a deaf man who can't be lured in by her voice. Mm-hmm. Use her body to lure him in. So, like, that's interesting. And that's the thing with the Love, Death, and Robot series. So mm-hmm. just, I, I haven't seen the second series because, as I said, I forgot it even happened. But the first one, a lot mm-hmm. of the series, there's one in particular, a Japanese anime, um, where she is a kitsune. So, you know, yeah. until uh, Fox. The Fox and spirit. Then, yeah. Uh, right. The Fox spirit. So, a lot of these stories revolve around like male and female dynamics about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And you know, and like how men see women's bodies, and how women see women's bodies, and how women see men's bodies, and like that kind of stuff. So, like a lot of these stories have that kind of dynamic. So, it's like, interesting that for like that this one, they have that same thing, but they use their like again, like certain aspects. Like, it's all about physicality. It's all about the mm-hmm. body and the looks, and all about the sound or being lured in. But you can't be swayed by what she's saying, you know. So I think right. I'm, I'm gonna watch because I do want to watch because the animation is stunning. If there's one that you watch, if there's all, if you only watch one, I would say this is the one. This is the one that everyone talks about. Like, you yeah, know, from the first season, everyone talked about the one that everyone talked about was um the girl the, that saw the, the death from the oh. first season. No, the um, uh, boo. Oh um, yeah, there's that one. There's a lot. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of great gems from that first season. Whereas, like, from the second season, I think there were some good ones, but like third season, this one stood out a lot to me um where it's like it's just very thought-provoking because like i said like who would have ever thought of like let's put two predators like in a relation like not even a relationship what happens when you have two predators in a toxic relationship this this is exactly it um so yeah but i do warn y'all like it's not that um so i will say it's not sexual assault that happens for anyone who is concerned when I said assault earlier it's more so of a I mean assault is still assault but it's I I can understand if people so diff- it's a right there's a differing of degrees for everyone who has a trigger re- warning around those things so I'm just giving y'all a heads up it's not that it's necessarily a sexual assault like visually you don't that's not what's happening but if there is an assault of a physical of a more physical kind oh, it happens yeah I'm gonna leave it at that I'm 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 damn near close to telling y'all everything. So yeah, y'all. If there's only one you watch, go watch it. Um, other thing, gonna keep it brief because you can also get more of my extended thoughts on the Why Though YouTube channel. Um, Stranger Things. Um, big takeaways from this. Um, and quick synopsis. Eleven's in California, living with Will and his family. All the other kids are scattered around. Um, and guess what? There is once again something after 11 and trying to break into their world. Shocker. But the interesting thing is season four, um, volume one, because volume two will come out in June, which will be like two very big episodes. So it's going to be like, I think one's an hour and a half and the other one's two hours. Um, My whole thing with this is it's interesting. Like biggest takeaways are it's interesting to see the dynamics of the boys, like in the, the, the friend crew as they are now entering freshman, as they're about to finish their freshman year and entering summer va- and entering spring break. You know, I think a lot of this season is about change, accepting who you are, where you're at right then, uh, especially when it comes to 11, trying to live without her powers and adjusting to life without them, but then realizing that she needs to figure out a way to get them back. 
Uh, then there's also, you know, the relationship dynamics between the guys, because you have Lucas, who suddenly has become a jock. He's gotten taller since his, since freshman year. Um, he's on the basketball team. He, he's a whole adult now. He, I mean, these children are literally all adult, whole adults. They're, like, all, they're, they're all being played by adults now. They are, but it's so weird to like look at how like young they were in the face when they started, and now it's like, oh my god, you're like actually an 18 year old child. Like, I'm, I'm they're still children to me because until you're over the age of 22, I don't look at you as well, an adult. Yeah, let me say adults is like, yeah, but some of them are older. Like, the one who's oh, yeah. brother is like in his mid 20s. And it's oh, yeah, no, 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 the older ones, like the teenagers, well, the ones who were teen like Mike's sister Mike's sister is definitely an adult Will's brother is an adult it's just you know I think I think this was a great season from where everything started for the characters because like you know they're a tight-knit crew but things change people change people grow I think there's a lot of that this I I feel one of the best moments for me was that the character Max got so much shine that she did and that actress got a lot more focus on her character like this season when she's introduced she's the new girl then mm-hmm. she becomes um lucas's girlfriend slash 11's best fr- like best girlfriend like but this season you actually got to just focus on max after she's dealing with the death of her brother from the aftermath from the previous season and she's dealing with grief survivors remorse and all these other things on top of there is a supernatural being that is going around and killing people by crutching up their bones and it's a very visual thing but the horror is magnificent it's a but the body horror oh my god um if it's if it's not your cup of tea hit that skip button but for me i love horror and this season definitely brought more horror and a darker side to it and i think they did it really well that didn't make it stand out honestly the whole season does feel like they got inspiration from nightmare on elm street 2 not 2 number 2 but like i'm just saying T-O-O. Anyways, um, if y'all want to hear more of my thoughts about it and also CJ and Aaron of But Why Though, um, two other writers for the website, we were on the YouTube channel. We're on the But Why But Why Though podcast community um, YouTube channel where y'all can watch that there. So I'll be sure to link it in the notes. And yeah, that's it for my TV shows. So I guess we can go ahead and dive into. Oh, last thing, we got more Erica, and I was very happy. Yeah, she's the she was the best part of season two. Let's keep it real. She I, was. I, I haven't seen season three, and I don't know if I'm going to see season three. I have issues with it, partly for the fact that they filmed scenes in a former Nazi death camp, and then decided to turn it into a. Theme, an attraction for the show. Oh, come watch where we film Stranger Things. Yeah, that's where Jews were killed. And uh, yeah, that so, bothers me. I'm like, yeah, that place. Go. You could have built a set. That would have been fine. But you really got to go use a permanent Nazi death camp to film scenes and be like, oh, it's a hotel. No, really. So I have my issues with Netflix and that. So I don't know if I even be watching it. And I'm not a fan. I don't mind body horror, but with this like extensive and gratuitous, I also. I would say if it's not your cup of tea, like you strict, you are a strict no body horror person. You can skip through the scenes and avoid them, but <laughs> if it's not for you, you might be better off not watching it. Yeah, but no, it I doesn't, it doesn't happen every episode. That's the probably more important part. This isn't like a Saw movie where like it's gore, 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 gore. 
it's not mm-hmm. it's not that that's not the case yeah uh, yeah. yeah so we don't do that so we'll move on to our film section and for me i as i said it was having a rough month april and may were rough for me mm-hmm. i watched films but i there i i was going also on top of the the economy premiere was a depressive episode and here's the thing with depressive episodes and this yet when you watch things sometimes that like, your mind just isn't there like you know i watch these and it's just like i feel nothing for them and it's not necessarily that the films or whatever are bad it's just that like, i was just not emotionally invested i just wasn't interested i watched them and then i'd be like ah. and then i could go back a few months later and watch them and like this was amazing but at the moment mm-hmm. like, i did watch some films i watched some japanese films like by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, I watched his film. Well, not it's not film, it's a series of films. Um, the series, it means series is Penance, which is interesting. It's kind of like an omnibus and it's like an anthology series. Films, I have one more in the series to watch. It's like five of them completely. And I watched another one of his films called Creepy. That one was interesting. Um, then I watched some Korean films like Along with the Gods and some other Korean films that I don't remember right now. My brain is blanking on the names. So we, instead of me going doing a full recap on films today, we will have Lanisha. She's going to talk about Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, which I have yet to see as well. Which you may be able to see it. I don't know how it works in Canada, but I do know that it will be out later. I've heard later this week. So as when we're we're at the time that we're reviewing this, but yes, I went ahead and I braved the theaters to watch Multiverse of Madness. And I got to say, I, okay, I don't think it deserves the hate it has gotten. (laughs) I just, I enjoyed it. I found it to be a good movie. I think a lot of people had different expectations for different things. Um, I'm not so much, I'm not going to speak on the America Chavez stuff, mainly because one, I'm not that well-versed with the character, but I do understand the critiques that some people have had. And I, I implore y'all to check out some people who have like actually had very good points to make about that. Specifically, I will say this. Yeah. Um, not going to knock a young actress, but I understand people's frustration when you choose to cast the actress who is of lighter skin tone than the actual character. And I don't want to hear people who say they're like, but what about when it's the reverse way and a character was white and they were black or when they were this or this? I'm like, you know, I'm not going to have that debate with y'all. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's very telling when we have a character that was introduced at a certain skin tone and then when that character does is not does not have that skin tone and it it's harmful because a lot of people appreciate the representation so that's all i'm gonna say regarding america chavez besides that i think the young lady who played her did an amazing job um i really enjoyed it but i will like let me just get into it (laughs) because The debates on Twitter have been fascinating and I'm fine. I'm glad that it's finally stopped. <laughs> and that's why I'm talking about it now. But anyways, Dr. Stephen Strange cast a forbidden spell that opens a portal to the multiverse. However, a threat emerges that may be too big for him, his team to handle. So that's not exactly what happens, but you got to have some sense of, of mystery to this. But anyways, that's how it's going to happen right now when I give y'all my spoilers. So if you want, I do say this, you do need to watch WandaVision before you watch Dr. Strange. Or you, need to, you at least need to have a working knowledge of what happened in WandaVision to know what happens in Doctor Strange because it is important to know how the characters got to where they are now. With that being said... The problem with the Marvel films, like they, Marvel and Star Wars, they actually I think, come with the full knowledge of it. 
I don't think we have to have like a full encyclopedic knowledge for everything. Like it's fine for some things like Moon Knight. I like that Moon Knight can operate by itself without having previous knowledge. Like Moon Knight characters completely right, and they're like even in a new part of the world. Like they before Moon Knight, they never even really went to the Middle East in any right. of the film or shows. So like, right. it's like a new context. Same right. Thing with Black Panther. Black Panther is like a whole new introduction to the Dermalage and it was an introduction to the people of Wakanda, mm-hmm. right, and Africa. So before then, they had never even really filmed on like, anything about the African continent. So like right. it's kind of the same thing, whereas like for all of these main, the ones mainstream, you got to have some kind of idea. Like they they, ex- they expect everyone who's watched these films to have watched all of it. And I think that's the problem with Disney in general and MCU and Star Wars. Like they think they 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 operate on they operate with the premise that everyone in the world that everyone who's ever watched these things have watched the things that came before. but see i disagree only because like it's really heavily communicated that this involves this care like specifically when we're talking about star wars star wars is like two spans across two trilogies plus some other stuff so it is important to watch the trilogies if you want to know that contained story within them but within that contain those contained stories they explore more of the universe so like the clone wars is a perfect example it's a spin-off of the trilogies that takes place but it allows for there to be more of a story developing and telling more of the universe so you don't have to watch all the trilogy movies to watch Clone Wars because Clone Wars does a good job of setting up everything and telling you who the people are and everything. But then you have something like Rebels that continues it, but you don't have to necessarily go and watch all of the things because they do a good job of continuing it. You just need to know the Clone Wars to watch to understand what the heck is going on in Rebels. Not not necessarily because if you watch, if you start Rebels, you don't have to know everything about what happened in Clone Wars because they do a good job of still explaining it along the way. At least yeah, in my like when he meets the former um the former um Imperial soldiers and the former um clone soldiers and stuff like they say things like because I've seen Rebels. I've seen right. season three. I don't think I've seen season three. Mm-hmm. I fell off from it. But it's like they say things that if you and that things that even Ezra and the others have, have mentioned. So unless you have the prior knowledge of the Clone Wars and the other films, you'll be like, "What the heck are they even talking about?" And if that's the case, then I do question people like, "Why are you watching it if you know it's a part? Of, if, it's, if it's if it's it's a spinoff, it's a spinoff, sis." It's a spinoff. If it's a spinoff of something and you don't know, then sometimes you got to either go crack up the Wikipedia and find out what is Order 66. Because unless there's a character like Ezra and someone's going to do the disposition work to like not disposition, whatever it's called, if they're going to do the work of using Ezra as a character to explain to Ezra, oh, Order 66 was this and I fought in a war and then the clones attacked us. No one's going to know. Then I think that's all. It all depends on like. I don't know. It's at everyone's discretion. I just feel like if it's something that's a spinoff of a bigger series or a trilogy, you have to expect that like, yeah, you might have to watch, you might have to go back and watch something, but it's not like with Doctor Strange, you don't have to watch Thor to know what happens (laughs) to make sense of Doctor Strange. That's all like, so, but anyways, getting back to Doctor Strange. um, Honestly, going back to what I said, I did not mind a lot of the things that some other people felt like they didn't enjoy. Like some stuff that I did mind though, like I, they calling it multiverse of madness and it's only spending like time in really like three different universes. Mm. Um, I actually wanted more. <laughs> you wanted more of the universes? 
I wanted more to I wanted to see more of the universes. But like when you think when I just stop and think about I'm like now, when would they have time to go to more than three and like keep the story going? And they do this nice little quick thing where you see them traveling through multiple universes. So you get a glimpse of them. But I guess like when I think of multiverse of madness, every, I was thinking of everything, everything everywhere all um, all the time seems to have they figured it out in the budget. Yeah. They figured out how to do it. I was just thinking, I'm like, could we well, get a little bit more? I was exploring that one. I haven't seen the film, but from the Christy scene, I'm seeing probably at least 10 to 15 different universes and yeah. that one of the films. Yeah, and I get that like it's a different premise and it's a, and it's going about it in a different way because like there is a story that they have to do, have to tell and everything. But um, I do like it for, and like, I'm assuming you don't care about spoilers, right? Girl, spoil away. Spoil okay, away. I was just checking with you. For the audience, y'all are already warned y'all. But um, biggest things that made me happy, we got Mr. Fantastic. And we got Charles Xavier. And yes, it's our Charles Xavier. It is Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier. And Mr. Fantastic was John Krasansky. Like, a uh, lot of... So that's why people were... T- I, oh, okay, so I saw that clip and I was wondering if it was a fine edit because it did not nope. look It's the one that people have been wanting. And I like the beauty of this is like i love the multiverse trope in comics and in series because the beauty of this is like john krasansky and patrick stewart could come back and reprise their roles if like they want to introduce the mutants or if they ever want to introduce the fantastic four in the main mcu mcu universe that we know to exist i think we're 616 and that would be fine and that would be fine and they could do that but we could also never see Patrick Stewart because we don't know if the X-Men exists in Mar and MCU MC 616. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if the Fantastic Four, they've hinted at it. And it's like, I think that's the beauty of it. You can really use this as a sandbox. Like this movie is like a sandbox. We were like, y'all could have thrown in, I don't know, sure we could have been on the Illuminati and been Black Panther. As a like, I'm just saying th- that's something they could have done. And it just would have been like, yep, well, <laughs> it's a it's an alternate universe. So yeah, of course, that's fine. So it's just like because like there's whole there's this whole thing because what Steven is doing, it's something that's been done before by a Doctor Strange in his universe. They tell him you have to stop because what you're doing is dangerous. Um, the whole thing with America Chavez is that she has a power that Wanda, because big reveal, Wanda is the villain of the movie. Um is after because she wants to be reunited with her children that she accidentally created and brought into reality when she was grieving her husband, Android, her Android husband. Sorry, I should not make fun of them, <laughs> but I do. But it's not real. The kids ain't real. Uh, yeah, the kids ain't real, but they, like they do. Exi- but the problem is because Wanda basically at this point has control over reality, has dang near reality bending powers those children do now exist in alternative reality or the children have always existed she just brought their existence into her reality where they don't exist because they're the one universe where she does not have her children or at least doesn't have them yet so yeah it's interesting um but getting into wanda really quickly for everybody who did not like that wanda turned into a villain I honestly don't see the problem with it because as we saw in WandaVision, it makes it like I've seen a lot of people say that it doesn't make sense that Wanda turns into a villain. 
as we saw and as we discussed in WandaVision, that was a point in Wanda's path where she had made a decision, even with grief. Grief is still not an excuse to manipulate and control people. And she knows what she did was wrong. But Wanda has gotten to a point where she does not care. And when she got to that point and like, sure, she accepted her, she accepted Vision's death. But the problem was she has the dark hold that's starting to manipulate and influence her too. So by Wanda doing all of this, taking on the dark hold, I don't know. To me, it's a straight two plus two equals four. Wanda's influence by the dark hold equals she becomes a villain because she's willing to sacrifice anyone's lives. She's willing to sacrifice the universe in order to get what she wants, even though, even if it does mean that she's doing it out of love, it shows, Wanda to me shows like, this is what happens when you are so motivated by your own goal that you are willing to hurt and harm others. And like, that's not love. And like, that's the message when it comes to Wanda's arc. Like, it's fine that you've lost and you've loved and you've processing grief and you're processing pain, but like, your is like it's the fact that Wanda makes her grief her pain her desires more important than anybody else's and by that she's willing to kill she's willing to kill a child an innocent child so she can have her children that's the same thing that people keep telling her every point and she's just like but I'm a mother I'm like I don't care you are Sophie's choice (laughs) right but it's just an interesting thing because a lot of people will be like, well, she did it for her kids. I'm like, so is it it's OK for her to take a life of an innocent child in order to get her children back? Yeah, but like, what about the other? I'm like, what's what you going to do when the other when that kid's child come, mother come to whoop your ass? You can't complain. Just let her beat you. I would like like that. Just let her beat you. Right. Just let her beat you. And just let her beat you. Um, and then also, because yeah, like, I feel like it'd be remiss not to mention a little bit about Doctor Strange. This movie is really about him learning to, that he can't control everything and that he is not, I mean, he, that his thoughts and his decisions are not, well, not thoughts, that his choices are not infallible. And I think he already knew that because he's still dealing with the fact that he was the one that said, it was the only way to win and beat Thanos. Excuse me. And you see that some people have issues with that, with what he said. Um, granted, it's he like said it. No one knew if it was true or not. That's just what well. And I saw an interesting word, point that someone said. Word at face value. Right. And I saw an interesting thing that someone said, and they're like, at the end of the day, Doctor Strange is self-preserving. He's a very self-preserving character, and like you're right. Because there was there no situation where you could have sacrificed yourself and you all win? And like, we don't know. <laughs> there could have been. Probably you could have been all that one million however many options in your ass. Your ass dying isn't one of the ones, especially considering how powerful you are. You're going to find a way to beat Thanos. When you got Carol Davers, Odin flying all about the place. When you got Wanda Maximoff, who single-handedly could have ended Thanos right then and there, but he had all of this power then. But Tony was the one. Tony was the one who had to be the one to die. That was the only play. That was the only play. Out of all these options, I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. And it's just like, yeah, but I mean, I think that's a good, I think that's a good point. I think it was fantastic Frankie on Instagram who made um, a quick video about it. She's like, yeah, when you really stop and think about it, this character brings it up to him. He's like, was that truly the only way? Because yeah, I never trusted it because if you look at how many people died, how many white people died, Nisha, how many white men 
died. Apart from Peter, take Peter out of the equation. How many white men died? Not many. Not many. I mean, died and came back. I mean, Tony, the only one who technically really died then. He didn't get dusted, did he? Nope. Tony, the, the only one. The only one got dusted was Peter. Everybody else that got dusted. Well, and, and Star-Lord and Winter Soldier. So... I don't think about Star Wars. He don't count. So he doesn't really, he doesn't, he, he like, my brain just is like, who? I know. I know. He but was, like, but yeah, it's an interesting thing to ponder. But I do think because of, in this, he takes on a mentor role to um, America. So he has to take, he takes on this mentor and protective role to America. And it's like, he does not want to let her down, but it's like his own hubris is his lesson. Like, he's like, you have to learn your limitations and you are not the only one who can defeat the villain and save the day. It is like, sometimes you have to acknowledge that other people need to hold the knife. And yes, that is a line from the movie. And I will leave y'all with that. Because I'm sure there's more. But, oh, in this movie, definitely Sam Raimi, sir, you snapped with the horror. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I mean, I, just give Sam Raimi more superhero movies to make horrific looking because I love it so much. And that's it. That's all I got. That's it. I, I, I have thoughts on I have, I have said I have not watched it, but um, from what I've read, and from what you guys know, how I feel about Wanda from I love this series, great acting, fantastic acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole white woman feminism thing, white woman kill another person, willing to kill a child of color to further her goals, protect her imaginary two white children. Uh, yeah, I got issues with that whole narrative. I have issues with the whole they're presenting motherhood. But I think that's the point of just showing that, like, she's a villain and she's going to do villainous things in this. So it's like, yeah, no. It, the, for me, this solidifies that Wanda went too far. So there, this is not Wanda Vision, where Wanda is like remorseful and feels bad about what she's doing and feels conflicted about. It. Like, no, Wanda confidently is ready to kill this child in order to bring her children back. But that's my whole thing. That's my problem with with M- the MCU. Like, why are they hinging this whole thing on you're going to bring America Chavez? A- child of color, a Latina color, a character who's supposed to be, if I believe, if I remember correctly, supposed to be Mexican-American. Actually, she's not. So Not Mexican-American, Puerto Rican, or something. I mean, from the comics. I mean, so, supposed to be Puerto Rican. No, it's not that. I think she is Puerto Rican. She's coded as Puerto Rican. So in the comics, she's actually an alien from another planet. So she's not, we can't really call her Mexican-American. But I think someone had told me this a while ago that she takes on the appearance. And this that's not the case, but look, it's just like her nationality. I don't know. Y'all have- but the point is, is that they, they, they were hinging the whole premise of this entire story on this white woman killing a child. Because she's a villain, a child though. Of color. A child of color. Right, because she's a villain. She don't care. No, but my problem is not just about the villain. My thing is just like, I have a problem with MCU using people of color as cannon fodder. Now, you guys know how I feel about Endgame. Hey, that's how we started this whole podcast with me ranting, talking. <laughs> we did. But see, I guess I don't directly. see America as cannon fodder only because, like, I think we're starting to see the birth of the next generation of Avengers in the MCU. Whereas, like, you know, what's the other show? Miss Marvel premiered last. It's actually, it's, yeah, it, that premiered Disney. on Disney+. Plus. Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so Miss Marvel's out. 
we know Peter Parker, Spider-Man is still out there and he's still existing. No one just knows who he is. And now we have America Chavez. So it's like you're bringing in this new generation of heroes. I think as it continues to do this, this is just their way of starting to introduce them. Oh, and then you have Kate Bishop with Hawkeye. So like that's now three girls. Yeah. So that's like four next Avengers who like they're in, they're slowly introducing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have preferred for America to be introduced through a series better, but because of her powers, which I'll spoiler, America has the power to travel through multiple, like the multiverse. She's the only mm-hmm. person who has that power. So like, that's the only reason about like having her here. Yes. Makes sense. That's like, yeah. Like, but it's like, yeah, so like, I guess if you're going to do a movie about the multiverse, this is the way to do it with her in it. But it's just like, I do like that she doesn't become a prop towards that. She's not a prop towards the end. She's not just a plot device for Wanda and Doctor Strange to fight over. She ultimately, the America saves the day. Mm. So it's like, I think that's the one saving grace by them doing it this way because I yes it makes sense for her to be in this movie because she's the only being who can travel across the multiverse as far as we know and yeah that's about it <laughs> but at least they didn't make it where Doc- if Doctor Strange was the one to save her in the end I think that's where I would have been like well I don't like that y'all put this girl here at all because what did she do <laughs> yeah, yeah I know I know I'm just when it comes to MC, I'm just tired and over it. We're going 25 plus films going over 22 years. Mm-hmm. Like it was bounced to hit, like it was just one reason. It was gonna hit a plateau. And it hit its plateau for me with um Black Panther. Everything mm-hmm. from then since everything since then has been just like a steady decline. And it's like not surprising when you have the same team of writers, same team of directors, same creative staff and everything. Like, you're gonna get creative burnout, you're gonna get creative, like and like this is more this on like I'm not minimizing anyone mm-hmm. to create like because writing directing the God knows the production and like the right after that that's what I'm talking about I'm just talking about like there would there would have been eventually a time where the MCU just get tired and you're just like oh my God can you guys do something else now we're tired mm-hmm. the same like even introducing the new generation of Avengers is just like oh, we're still the Avengers <laughs> it's still the same like we're just like do something else like disney has not done anything truly original in like what the last 10 15 years and you can talk about the animated shows and the films but when you talk about the animated films like when you got people like um lin-manuel miranda working all of them and they all sound the same yeah. like come on i mean you know like, how i feel about him literally making the soundtrack of every movie not saying like again that's, 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 that's i like the originality is lacking here they have some vision like all of these amazing song directors all these amazing composers you have a whole planet full and you keep hiring the same guy over and over and over who's producing music that sounds exactly the same. Like people talk about, oh, like, um, don't talk about Bruno and all the other songs. I'm like, don't talk about Bruno songs just like um, that, the one from the three sisters in the, the in the play. It, it sounds just like about the one with, Ange- not Angelica, the other one she's talking about, the, the sister. Mm-hmm. Have, it's legit the same. I'm like, oh my, the Disney has a, a, a very big problem with I think originality and, and just imagination it's, ima- ima- it's a bankruptcy of imagination even the films they keep remaking it's the same they're remaking the same stories over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again I mean 
I can't deny the fact that I don't think any of us can deny the fact that like family seems to have been the main villain or theme in the last few because Coco and then Moana or whichever I can't remember which one came first and then like turning red okay so Coco Moana turning red and then we also have it was Moana then Coco because it was doing a Coco was in 2017 and I remember because I went to Pixar and that's when it was doing film that's when it started from criticism and Moana was when it was still in school so yeah Moana and then Coco yeah, so it's either like friendships and relationships and family have been like the main villain, which like when it's done differently, I enjoy but it. But like, I mean, I can't the main villains in these stories also the female matriarchs. Moana, it was a female entity. Mm-hmm. Coco, the um the grandmother then not understanding why right grandmother was didn't want them to do right she's like the the singer Mm -hmm. and then in the the madrigals the last one with the madrigals um the grandmother the matriarch again a female character is the villain and And then turning red mother grandmother mother the aunts the grandmother wandavision the mother a mother figure Mm -hmm. multiverse of madness another female figure there's a huge issue in the MCU with Disney with how they're portraying female characters. Like, I wouldn't say that's so much an issue for me. I'm just saying, for, I understand. I get your opinion when it's like how they're portraying them, but I don't think it's an issue with how they're portraying these characters because like we can think of when we're talking about with like the mothers and turning red or um, God, I'm blanking. Um, Casita. What is it called? I know I can't remember the name. That's why I just called it the Family Magicals. I just don't remember the name. Why am I blanking? Anyways, okay, them. Oh, I felt bad. But it's just like, because I can, I, we can think someone knows or can recognize a family member within those character types where you like, you have the grandmother who you can't live up to their expectations and like, you don't feel like they love you as much. Or you have the Encanto. Thank you so much. It was bothering me. But like, I can I can see that. So I don't think of those as being issues because those are like actual problems in like a family that like and it explores it as like, well, what if this is like because they're not the villain, like how Wanda is the villain. <laughs> like no, when I say villain, I don't mean necessarily that they're just evil, but I mean like they're set right. as antagonists. Like the con the conflict between the characters. They're they're the antagonists, they're they're a problem that have to be overcome, they have to be te- taught, they have to be educated. And I say it's an issue, not necessarily with the writing or whatever, but it's a pattern. It, uh-huh. ha- it is a pattern with yeah. productions. And when you see that there's a pattern, to me, this is just me being critical, putting on my thing. It's they're trying to this um, put out a certain message because they don't ever, I also, when it comes to film and Hollywood and, and nothing is accident. No, nothing's by accident. Nothing is coincident. Everything is planned. We know the MCU plans all of their things years Mm-hmm. years in advance 10 15 years in advance when they when they got like d23 or when they do their mcu day whatever they show us like plans for films 10 years down the road so when we get these kind of stories and they all have similar um threads similar similar narrative threads not just about the, if you're talking about the avengers that you're connecting all the stories from the comics but when you have like all of they they specific come up with they select specific themes and narratives and plot mm-hmm. devices and they're telling the story and it's not an accident that a lot of them are putting it, setting up women as antagonists. Apart from Thanos, when you look at how the female characters are portrayed, a lot of them are more antagonistic than the men, even though we know that the male, male characters are 
like looking at Tony, that mm-hmm. like, he's never really been punished for all the shit he's done. Whereas female characters have been killed. What M- M- Natasha? You got Wanda. You got um Palm Clemente's character. Um, all the shit that she went through. Mantis, sorry. All the, the things that they these care female characters go through. Not and but again, again in Disney, you're looking at the animated films too. There is something. There is an issue there. There is a pattern, and I don't like this pattern. I don't like what they're trying to say about women. I don't like what they're trying to say about femininity and motherhood. I'm like, you if writers go start your shit. Like Kevin Feige, if you got a problem with mothers, go go to therapy. Start that out in therapy and stop having your writers because he is in charge of the t- kind of stories that are being told in the MCU, mm-hmm. in their films. Like remember when I remember when I went to Coco to the Coco um press junket in Pixar. They were like, Yeah, we come up with these stories and the executives they tell us what direction they want the stories to tell to, to do. Mm. Yeah. So like you I'm like, you all got issues with mothers, y'all got issues with women. And we see how we've seen what's been going on with Disney and the whole LGBTQ and like the whole backing these politicians. We know they back like conservative politicians. Ooh, so, like, don't get me started on that because I'm already irritated that my favorite animated series that's currently on Disney Plus that has great LGBTQ representation. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Because like, well, we can cut this part out or maybe we could put it as a bonus because like I know we're getting a little long, but it's like. They're doing exactly what Nickelodeon did to um, Avatar a, um, with Korra, mm. um, where it's just like people. I mean, at this point, I'm just like, just make it a Disney Plus exclusive series, because since y'all just want to be like, y'all don't even going to give them a third full season. Y'all are giving them four extended episodes that are like 45 minutes each. So they're like yeah. little mini movies. But it's just like, just call a spade a spade, Disney. Like, y'all talk about representation and you talk about how y'all want this for that and that and this. And like, here we are in Pride Month and I bet y'all going to post something about these characters. But here you won't give the showrunner and the creator for the show, which I would say Owl House is one of the most original things Disney has come out next to Amphibia, which also a great series, but like that has come out from Disney as an animated series that's original, mm. like original characters, original. It's like, no, it's like it's taking a isekai Western theme, but it's like, yeah, here are some tropes that, you know, when it comes to a girl who gets transported to a magical world, but Here's some very original storylines. Yeah, well, you can cut that out. <laughs> no, okay, this is a little. This is how our, our conversation is going. Uh, we will keep it. Y'all heard Carolyn. We will keep it. But we since we have gone a little long, uh, maybe we should just do a state of Marvel things. Because, like, I do appreciate your like your insight on it. Because I'm like, like keeping Disney out of it. Like when we just look at the Mar- the Marvel movies as a whole for the MCU, I guess I'm just like I am interested to see the direction of it, but I'm also just like I just kind of want to see it unfold because like personally, I don't feel the need to watch everything, and that's only because unless it's like there's ones that I'm like I'm very excited about Daredevil coming back, and I'm eager to see what y'all do with that with it being on Hulu exclusive, hopefully. Um, I like what I mean, like, I like the fact that Moon Knight exists on his own little bubble right now. And like, I wouldn't mind continuing that if Moon Knight can come back. I don't think there's a reason for him until like there's an actual reason or threat that arises for him to interact with. Like, it would be natural for him to interact with the Eternals before anyone else. Yes. Like or something like even, that. Um, the that Panther and the Dermalizer because they're on the same continent. Bost, right? Or like ba- because Bost exists in two entities, exactly. and and then there's also um, Thor 
Love and Thunder, where we get a glimpse of Boss. So it's like, you know what? As Marvel builds out more of the theologic themes in the universe and they establish more of these things, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But I don't feel like there's any need for, I guess, our Captain America, who is current, like, you know, for Sam and Bucky to meet Moon Knight. I have issues with the whole Captain America sort of story, but yeah, they don't. And that's again the other thing is that they're trying to make everything connect. They're not making these people these exist within their own realities and their own lives and have their own self-contained story. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to have like a big mass um, meetup. Like we don't need a club meetup. Like just no. communicate through Zoom. Like you know they all know each other. Is this that's fine? That's good. Like don't need to make them. At this point, I would just be more interested to see how is everything operating with everyone who currently still identifies as an Avenger, just because it's like what we know from Shang-Chi, we do know that like, okay, Bruce is still communicating. We know that She-Hulk is coming. So like, there's like, there's these anchors across the MCU. And I'm just kind of, I'm more so curious about like, what is the state of the Avengers as of right now? Because for the most part, it just feels like they don't, they're not, they're just like, neb- this nebulous thing that's just there. Like maybe they'll assemble when there's an earth level threat or a universe level threat, which would be when he who remains, aka Kang the Conqueror, comes back, which now that I'm excited for. Because I'm I guess Ant-Man and the Wasp, that one, the I'm I am excited for that the most because I just want to see Jonathan Majors come back. I'm really not excited for any of them, honestly, because and again, I said I have just like burn up from these shows. It's just like mm-hmm. I'm tired of them, and like they're like, man, not that original. And the writing is not that great. Moon Knight, what made Moon Knight work was the cast. Oscar Isaac was great as Moon Knight. The voice cast um, was great. The, the the supporting characters were really good. The cast is what made that story because the writing. Oh, we gonna have to do a Moon Moon Knight episode. I thought about doing it, but I got a lot of. <laughs> God bless Oscar Isaac because he that man he did the best he could with what he had and I do truly believe that if it was not for the cast I would have stopped watching the premise is very interesting but I don't know it suffers from the pacing it suffers from the pacing the pacing is not good like the pacing is not good and then like, it's, it's just a mess writing writing wise the writing was not cohesive enough for me the things that they should have expanded on they didn't like they didn't they barely touched on his jewish heritage like and and from from what i understand about moon Knight, that is that is his identity like his whole thing revolves around his his jewish identity his, his jewish heritage the jewish the mythology of judaism judaism actually has a lot of spirituality and mythology within the, the religion and the history itself and they didn't even touch on that like if they didn't show the the mother's um the ceremony after the mother's death, we would have never known that he was even Jewish. And I just question a lot of the direction and choices in that because I don't know if that was because was there supposed to be a reveal with this? Was there supposed to... Because there's no discussion of like, is is he... Like, is he still a practice? Is he even still practicing Judaism? And is it more so like, is it because of the life that he's led that he doesn't, that he's just like, and because of the abuse he has? But like, but I'm saying like, is it because of like, one, his abuse and trauma with related to his family Mm -hmm. two the life that he led as a mercenary? And then three, 
what he the work that he does with Khonshu that leads him to just like question his faith altogether and abandon it, which like we wouldn't know that because nothing's ever brought up about it from him. Like you got this Jewish man traveling to the Middle East and he's meeting these gods from Egypt and like no mention of the fact that Jews were enslaved in Egypt. How like you can even say, oh like my he was like, oh my people came from you know what I mean? Like he's like, oh like the the place of my people where the 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 Moses right. It would have been nice to know if it's just like, is it, is he not bringing up any of this because is he just not realizing like there's multi theism? We don't know because that conversation doesn't happen and we have to guess. Yeah, you know, we'll do a recap, a, a special recap because I just have it. And you think we should do a recap. And I want to get, mm-hmm. if you can get someone of the Jewish faith or Jewish identity to be a guest. Because I know some people who who are Jewish who have a problem with that aspect themselves. They were also, you know, where's this man? And you know what's crazy is to me, I just and like I'm saying this from like watching it as an audience member, not as someone who's in the Jewish faith. I'm just saying, like, for me, it would have just been helpful for y'all to put in there somewhere that he says, like, I don't believe in God anymore, or like, like for him, just Yahweh, you know what I mean? Like, it would be something for him to just say, like, he stopped practicing because of everything that's happened to him. And then, like, instead of making me, I feel like I had to make that connection on my own. Because I don't, we don't know. I'm just like, that's where I'm more so confused. I'm like, only reason I'm just like, okay, I'm putting, I'm, I'm, I'm piecing it together based off of everything that happened to his life that we find out in episode six, the la- or the, we find out in episode five, the last, the second to last episode, that this must be why. <laughs> but we don't know. Nothing's concrete. So anyways, yeah, let's wrap up. And <laughs> so that everyone, that was just a mini recap of many things i should know better than to bring up marvel things because it's gonna bring it's gonna be a doozy it's only natural like that's why we started this podcast anyway we were like you know what we have a lot of thoughts about um avengers endgame let's start let's finally start a podcast that's also here's what happened came to me really so here's what happened in marvel's avengers endgame but this is the end of this episode our april slash may recap or so here's what happened um thank mm-hmm. you so much for listening to us as always we have to thank our listeners and those who've been listening from the beginning those who joined halfway through and for those who are not finding um so here's what happened thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us we do enjoy this discussion and and, you, and you enjoy our recommendations this is a monthly podcast um we, yes. that we, we do at, we, we do it at the end of every month and we post it pop within the first two weeks of the following month that's like that's how it works um you can follow me on twitter and instagram at carrie cnh12 that's at c-a-r-r-e-c-n-h12 i am a writer journalist and podcaster slash youtube channel um youtuber you can find my writing usually the most recent articles and the recent um youtube videos i've done in my pinned tweets and you can find my all of my writing on authory.com so your search my name carolyn hines I have a YouTube channel, again, under my name, Carolyn Hines, where I do, where I have videos for my, the round tables for Africa Virtual Round Tables, that's the African American Film Critics Association, where we speak to Black film and television creators about their work and their latest projects. I am also the host of Beyond the Romance, which is an Asian drama podcast slash YouTube channel. The podcast is on butwhythepodcast.com and on ACAST, and you can also find the video version on the on my YouTube channel as well. I also have Carolyn Talks where I speak to film creators about their work and in the industry. Oh, I also co-host Saturday Night Sci-Fi. That is a live tweet event. Every Saturday Night Sci-Fi is starting just use the hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi. You can find what we're tweeting about what we're looking for announcements for upcoming um, films and TV shows that we watch. It's across all, all from around the world and multi-genres, but 
it has to have a sci-fi element to it. And as well, the hashtag dramas with Carrie, where I like tweet the dramas that I'm currently watching. Not all of them, just some of them. But um, that's it. So Nisha, tell the people where they can find you and tell them what, what you have been Um, Yes, y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nisha Plays, N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S, where, you know, Y'all can find me doing more cosplays. I have three lined up that I'm excited to excited to put out. Um, as far as where else y'all can find me, I've been reviewing Comey Can't Communicate Weekly on ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. And uh, what else have I been up to? Honestly, I've just been trying to chill, read manga, and relax and watch anime while, until grad school starts back up this fall. But outside of that, y'all can find me on those places and maybe I'll be writing on a new project soon that I am not saying anything else about. So that's it. Bye y'all. Yes. But, ooh, and I have a special project coming up that I will mention at the end of June. Um, it's something that will be happening in July. So I will mention that. Then. Mm. Um, until the next episode of So Here's What Happened, everyone stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.